This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Chell and Abby Standish. Hello and welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. We've really missed you. It's been a little while since we've done a full episode and we're glad to be back in our virtual studio to talk about film and share a lovely interview with our special guest, Kat Marshall, who is a film producer. She most recently worked as an associate producer on Warp Film's upcoming feature, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which is based on the hit musical of the same name about a 16-year-old boy who wants to wear a dress to his high school prom. And you love this story, don't you, Jack? How many times have you seen the stage show? Well, maybe three. And then I was lucky enough to be an extra in the movie, so I've seen a bit of the end of the actual movie as well um, in production, so I'm extremely ready for it. I've listened to the soundtrack many, many times. um, And, yeah, I've seen it a couple of times in Sheffield. And I also saw it back in cinemas as well because it was live projected from the theatre um, in London once it had moved to the West End. So lots of versions of everybody's talking about Jamie that I've seen. Oh, and also I put on an event a couple of years ago in which we invited the real Jamie, uh, Jamie Campbell, also known as Fifi Latrue, to come and give a performance in Sheffield. That was a highlight. That was very special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what a lovely, lovely person Jamie really is. Jamie. Um, he's so, so great. And um, yeah, well, I'm really excited to see the film and hopefully spot one or two familiar faces as well. Me too. Um, it just feels great. like it's been such a long time coming because obviously the film, the production was completed such a long time ago and then because of COVID and cinema releases being delayed, We've waited a few times for this. I think that the release has been cancelled twice now, so we're just so ready to see it on a big screen. And and now I can really see us sitting in a cinema in the summer, as we like to do when it's sunny, sit inside a cinema, and really enjoy a proper big film, all singing, all dancing. I'm just so ready for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and maybe that will be soon you know with the potential reopening in may in england for cinemas it's a it's a um a a penciled in date i think it's penciled in Uh, yes so it does look like we have a potential reopening date for cinemas in england at least i think that we're working towards the 17th of may and obviously things may change between now and then and i think in uh, scotland wales and northern ireland the dates are still super tentative as well but it does feel good to have something to be able to hope towards doesn't it it feels good that we can really start to imagine it happening and also that cinemas and community cinemas can start to prepare and start start to book those films in i think what's exciting for me at the moment is starting to see release dates popping up into the schedule again films that we've been waiting a really long time for we're starting to see actual dates for yeah Hope. yeah exactly it, it kind of gives you a sense of all the exciting things and with the BAFTAs and Oscars coming up yes they are going to be virtual but kind of the nominations and everything which we'll probably talk about maybe maybe in another episode or this one but um <laughs> it's it's kind of that all that exciting kind of um fanfare that goes around film which has been really nice whether it's a film poster or the awards or just the excitement of an upcoming release date it's been really really nice and I felt really um really proud of it might sound cheesy but I felt really proud of of everybody in the industry that I've seen doing stuff during this time whether it's a cinema a distributor a producer an actor um I think it's been um really creative and really uh, collaborative as well which I think has been really cool um, that's just from from, from where, my point of view but um, I think yeah, it's been pretty impressive Yeah I think one thing I would love to take away from this terrible time and, and, and everything that we've been through I think one thing about cinema that's been proven is that it doesn't just rely on the film there's a sense of community that, that cinema has and that film has and that it brings people together it brings an audience together, it might bring an industry together, it might bring workers together, it brings stories together, and that community hasn't gone away just because the doors to the actual screen are closed. And And I think that the moment when we're able to safely get back into a screen again, I really, I think I've said this a few times, but I can see a real boost. I think 
I think people have really missed the cinema. I think people have really missed that quiet moment to be away from your phone. Gosh, can you imagine having to put your phone <laughs> away for two hours, two and a half hours and not be allowed to get it out? I mean, that's just luxury. I'm ready for that. Yeah, yeah it'd be lovely. And, and just like as well, I think it's made everybody kind of think a bit more like deeply and uh, genuinely about uh, access to film in lots of different meanings of that word, whether it's kind of like physical access for people with disability or um, kind of money and economic, ac- like economical access. Um, and I think that, I hope that just comes along with us when we can reopen our doors. And I do think it will. I am really hopeful and feel pretty positive about it. But it's been great to see that been really thought about and and um, worked on, genuinely worked on, which I think is really good. 100%. It's so important for the lessons that people have learned to be taken and, and for people to not get left behind, people that have had access to cinema during this time that wouldn't normally. They're your audience now. They are part of the community and you, you absolutely cannot forget um, to bring them along and bring them back to the welcome that we'll have back to film. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we get into the, today's exciting segment, um, I need to know what you've been watching, Jack, because it's been so long since we've spoken about films. We probably can't fit them all in between the last episode, which we, st- we spoke about what we were watching, but um, what have you been watching? Well, this is this is the thing. Obviously, Abby and I are friends in real life, and we have conversations in real life, but we really try and put a hold on the film chat so that we save it for for now so we genuinely do don't talk about films when we're together so that we we come to the segment fresh let's see what have i been watching lately so um around christmas time i was in my denzel washington phase and i was finding a lot of relief in the fact that i would just choose a new denzel film and i didn't have to scroll endlessly through netflix to see what i was into so i'm leaning into the theme leaning into the idea of having a theme or somebody to explore so had a little mini Elliot Gould season which was great um the long goodbye especially just brilliant film great cat cat's not in it long enough if you ask me but there's some real good cat action if you're a cat person um also had a little bit of a Wesley Snipes mini season as well love Wesley Snipes I've loved Wesley Snipes ever since I was a little girl like white men can't jump to to Wong Fu absolutely love that era Wesley Snipes but I watched Demolition Man which a lot of people were watching this time last year in relation to its semi-accurate prediction of what the future might be like um in relation to the pandemic now so they live in a future where they don't have toilet roll <laughs> which obviously we all went through a toilet roll shortage about this time last year um all sorts of little funny little bits that if you watch it now it's very very funny it really does connect it's a weirdly predictive film but yeah so I had my little mini uh wesley snipes phase um and then at the moment, I'm just embarking on a heist season. So I think there's something about a heist movie that's really satisfying. Um, they, they, a lot of them follow a really similar blueprint. Um, nice use of the word blueprint there. I know. Fits the theme. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I was thinking there was a joke in there, but I wasn't able to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're just great, very satisfying films. And usually they're a good tight 90. We like a tight 90. Um, mm-hmm. So any, I any hidden gems, wink wink. Well, I'm not I I'm not super far into it yet. So I watched the original Thomas Crown Affair, uh, last night, in fact, which I enjoyed very much, but was not heisty enough. It did not have enough heist. I think there's two heists. That's not enough heists for me. There's a bit too much along the romance side, but maybe maybe that's just me. And I watched Thief, um, which is a Michael Mann film from 1981, which has got James Kahn in, which is much, much darker. Um, but the heists in that are very uh, technical. There's a lot of long shots of drills <laughs> and equipment. <laughs> um, I like those. 
Yeah, they're very extended, though. I did think uh, that okay, we could fair. maybe cut about half an hour of drilling out of the film. But um, <laughs> James Caan, who's not an actor I've particularly connected with before, I did really love his performance. It was very proto-Tony Soprano. His delivery, Ooh. very... His expressions is great. And it does have a great cast. It has Willie Nelson in as well. So that that one... I would definitely recommend really enjoying that. So, I mean, basically, I've got an upcoming list of a billion heist movies. Heists and capers. Um, Ca- yeah, they, 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 they run in parallel lines, those two. They do. So I've got things yeah. like Lavender Hill Mob to come. I've got Set, Set It Off to, to come. Uh, Asphalt Jungles, Red Circle. Some really good stuff coming up. So I'm excited. Amazing. What about you? Have you... Well, just before that, I want to know if you've got anything in particular that you love people heisting. Like, like, Ooh. like, is it a jewel? Is it art heist? Is it a person? Like, what is there anything? Or is it is it that's, more the the journey? That's a good question. I like it when I have such a specific answer. I like it when it's um, World War Two related stuff that the Nazis stole. That's that stuff that I like. I, so Inside Job is a bit like that. Anything that's perhaps to do with stolen art, art that the Nazis stole from, from Jewish people and people across Europe um, in World War II and before World War II, that kind of hidden history and who's got it now and who's going to find out, I like that kind of stuff. That's my kind of heist. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great answer. I think I'm in agreement because it's, it's kind of historical yeah. and about deeper about possession yes about you know whose hands are on what and should is that the right are they the right hands yes. probably not and whose <laughs> yeah. whose wealth and legacy is is based on something dark and 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 distressing and stolen yeah exactly so is oceans eight not gonna make your heist list <laughs> you know i haven't seen oceans eight i haven't <sighs> I, I'm not super into like the modern heists. I'm not. Yeah, I agree. Because I find them, I find the cast list too distracting a lot of the time. It's too mm-hmm. much like, oh, and there, there's you, and there's Brad Pitt, and there's George Clooney, and there's this guy, and this guy, and this guy, and yeah. I find it hard to see them as as characters. So I prefer them, prefer them a little bit older. Although one of my issues with the Thomas Crown affair is I was just like, oh, what's Steve McQueen doing now? Like, I, you can't see him as anybody other than Steve McQueen, I think, even though, you know, it's the Thomas Crown affair. It's the, it's the Steve McQueen affair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. I think it is like, you know, modern ones are like someone's just printed out IMDb and then like <laughs> added a heist in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It, uh, you know, I should say, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's got the Met Gala in it. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like how just how modern it is. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Well, I'm excited to, to, to be kept posted about, about your heist, your heist life. Um, oh, great. They're posted. all really good. <laughs> what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, I watched a really good documentary called Mind in the Gap about these three skateboarders that are friends and it follows them for quite a long time. And one of the skateboarders is the filmmaker, uh, and I just love things about skateboarding and um, just documentaries that kind of follow people's like daily lives over a certain amount of time. Um, maybe I've just given the dictionary definition of documentary there, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it, I really really enjoyed it, and that was on iPlayer, and I thought good on you iPlayer. And then recently, again similarly, we my housemate and I chose an actor. <laughs> to do a mini festival around called Fifestival, and that is a festival around the films of one Michelle Pfeiffer. Excellent, excellent. Can I get a whoop whoop? And you know, one of my favorite parts of doing the festival, so it was over three days, three, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we uh I like it was really fun when her name came up in the credits to, like cheer oh. as if like as if you're like the parents in the high school like in high school play audience who you you like whoop for your child that's my kid um, that's my kid um <laughs> and she's just got a very fascinating filmography and I feel like we could get five you know another two or three years out of five festival because there's so many and we really applied quite a um logical method to this. So we'd had a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and um, we picked 11 films from her filmography to vote, you know, between one and 11, which ones we wanted to see the most and the least. 
And then we narrowed it down to six films. My housemate figured out the averages. That's not something my brain could ever do. So we came out with The Fabulous Baker Boys, which has um, the... uh, No, it's not Burnham. It's the uh, Bridges brothers. Mm -hmm. So Bo Bridges, Jeff Bridges and Michelle Pfeiffer. I really love that one. There's something very... Ninth, I think actually it's probably late eighties. I think it was, but some, there's something like very late eighties, nineties, calm, quiet to it, mm. and I really like that. And it's got a lot of kind of like saxophone bit of music in between like scenes, um, and it's great. And Michelle Pfeiffer singing in it. Uh, but we opened actually. Sorry, I'm forgetting <laughs> the best one, Grease Two. <laughs> And it felt there's something, you know, there's something, you got you got gumption to open a festival with a sequel. Yeah, wow. Um, and uh, it was terrible, but also <laughs> brilliant. Like, I couldn't look away. Mm. Um, have, you got, have, you see, have you seen it? I saw it when I was a teenager, and I was super familiar with Grease 1 by that point. And maybe I, maybe I was like 12, 13, I went round to a friend's house to watch it. And I remember being, at the time, just like, this is not as good. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is poorer um yeah but she's fabulous in it she's such a badass yeah like she's such a badass in the film I think the rest of it doesn't really stand up the songs don't stand up apart from reproduction but she's great oh reproduction Reproduction. and cool rider oh yeah Grease 2 is worth watching just for cool rider Mm. i really and if you don't want to watch the whole film i please go on youtube and just watch her perform cool rider her charisma is amazing. I just, I just loved it. Um, yeah, terrible, but also very fascinating. And I just love that because it exists. You call the first Grease Grease One, and that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, Fabulous Baker Boys is great. Age of Innocence. We've got a Scorsese period drama. Nice. That's one that I really enjoyed. Like it's one of those ones where. It's a bit like a stew and it just gets better and better the longer you, like, leave it behind. Mm. In the moment, I enjoyed it, but afterwards, I really thought a lot about it. I thought her her and Winona Ryder's performances in it are chef's kiss. Um, there you go, sound effect. And um, then we finished Saturday evening with Dangerous Minds, which couldn't be more 90s in yeah. terms of its um, plot. So she's an ex-Marine gonna use that to like teach some kids in an urban school and it's just it's just not good (laughs) it's not good um it's just it has about nine different major plot ideas and doesn't follow any of them through (laughs) but again she's still great in it Mm. she tried to add some integrity then what lies beneath so i don't know if you remember when that came out in like 2001 Mm. Uh, her and Harrison Ford. I always find it fascinating when, like, a big thriller that's always a 12A comes out with, like, two massive actors. Mm. Um, it was long. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. I remember thinking it was really frightening as a kid, um, but not so great now. Mm. And then we ended with Mother. Oh, boy. And I have still not recovered. No. no. And I'm not even lying. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. It is... Yeah, it's it's a lot, and I, I I would definitely give like a warning if you've never seen it. I have warned everybody I've met if they've wanted to watch Mother. Like, are you sure? I, I, okay. <laughs> I didn't know hardly anything about it, and I just thought, oh, you know, my husband was like, oh, are you sure it's meant to be a bit scary? And I was like, oh yeah, but I don't mind psychological mm. kind of horrors, and I and I like Black Swan and. You know, I've, I've, I saw, um, what's the other one with uh, Jared Leto in? I don't know. Wrecking for a Dream. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, goodness. Wreck- and I was like, oh, that goodness. was pretty harrowing. But I got through that one. Mm. But nothing could prepare me for Mother. Oh, God. Like, no. and there's something about watching it in a lockdown that seems to intensify the film. Because a lot of it is it's just set in this house. And it's all, like, allegorical for lots of different things like religion and, and, and things like that but you know a lot of the scenes are just people coming into the house like unwanted and being very disruptive mm. and that like builds attention from the start but that's definitely not the worst of what you would see um and my housemate said that I'd lost all the colour in my 
like face. Oh no. So yeah, it was it was intense. Uh, I probably would never watch it again. Um, but yeah, but it was a great festival. Mm. It was very successful. Our cat did the keynote. We made we made lanyards. Oh, we had a program. Oh. I googled what Michelle Pfeiffer's favorite food was. What is it? She likes Mexican cuisine the best. <gasps> like salty snacks. So we had nachos as our opening meal. Oh, dreamy. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it was pretty. It was pretty great. It's pretty great. Okay, everything about that sounds lovely, but gosh, you miss going to the cinema, <laughs> don't you? Like, do yeah, it? I really do. do. To, to to the point where I bought like a light box and I wrote like the name Feistable in it and everything yeah we, we miss the cinema a yeah. lot <laughs> the thing is the lesson from both of our lockdown film stories is like the power of a theme it's yeah honestly it's it's pretty hard to differentiate from weekdays to weekends at the moment but a theme will really help you set things apart <laughs> it does love a theme um Love curation. Yeah, it was all great. Mm. And then between that, I watched Love Child, which is this amazing documentary, um, which we're lucky enough to be promoting as part of one of our curate programmes at Cinema for All. But it um, tracks the lives of these, or follows the lives of these this couple who have to um, flee their country um, and because they've had a child out of wedlock. And um, it just follows their... Um, their life and them trying to um to get to either Canada or just another country to live safely with their family and it's just really beautifully shot and probably gives you the most realistic experience of what that's like um American Graffiti which is a George Lucas film have you seen that before yes I have yeah 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 not for a a great Richard Dreyfus. Not for a very, very long time. I'm not a big Richard Dreyfus fan. Like I have something about him that rubs me up the wrong way. I like I like Jaws, but everything else he's in just ugh. I've not seen him in much, but I think there's something very charismatic about him and his acting. But yeah, it's got a young Harrison Ford in it as well. Um Hub. and a young Ron Howard. Oh, I was gonna say Hubba Hubba, but you moved on to Ron Howard too quickly and it would have sounded like I was saying Hubba Hubba <laughs> to Ron Howard. The Hubba Each Hubba was Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Hubba Hubba Harrison Ford. Um, and yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Moxie, which is the new Amy Poehler oh. Netflix movie. Yeah, that's on my watch list. Is it any good? I enjoyed it. I feel like it'll have a lot more power as time goes by because it's still kind of like talking about modern life and things like that. But I, I liked is it. it. I thought is it, it a comedy or is it quite serious? It's got some serious themes in it, but there are some like laughs as right. well. Um, and it just plays Bikini Kill a lot in it, so I'm pretty into that. Great. And Dead Pigs, which is Kathy Yan's first film that only just got released. Oh. And it made in 2018. Um, but she obviously went on to do Birds of Prey, one of my faves. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to see, like, where did she start? What was her kind of vision looking like in her first feature, which um, I, I enjoyed that too. Um, and Hannah Montana movie <laughs> sneaking that in there <laughs> which um, I really enjoyed never seen Hannah Montana the show but at the moment watching a lot of like Disney based kind of innocent things like High School Musical 1, 2 and 3 also quite enjoyed that trilogy not gonna lie um, okay producer Jay just said he, he thinks he's seen every episode of Hannah Montana whoop whoop Jay Platt yes um, Miley Cyrus has got like great skill in mm. acting as well as music and the songs are great in it did you know you'll like this Jack your favourite X Factor contestant Joe McKeldry mm. who had to sing The Climb because he won yeah which is the X Factor song is actually Miley Cyrus song Hannah Montana song of course I know that I'm the, I bought it didn't I because he was being uh, bullied <laughs> oh you love supporting supporting um <laughs> X Factor contestants I just, by buying something on iTunes. I just don't like it when they get picked on, so I bought the no, song. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's not nice when that happens. Um, but The Climb, great song, but there's even better songs in there. Yeah, just quite enjoyed it. Quite a decent film for, you know, of its ilk. I'm tickled. I'm tickled. And it's good to know that you don't need to have watched all of the Hannah Montana series to be able to follow the film. No, Jack, <laughs> Jack you could go in right now and be welcomed oh. with open arms. Oh. 
So our special guest today, Kat Marshall, didn't just tell us about the journey and the process of creating Everybody's Talking About Jamie, the film, but also shines a light on what it's like to be an associate producer, what a producer's role is in the making of a film, and also some of her favourite cinema memories. Yeah, it was really great to talk to her. I think she mentions one of her favourite producers is Polly Platt, who I've been listening um, to You Must Remember This episodes about, which I highly encourage, after this lovely segment with our lovely producer. So we're so lucky to be joined by film production extraordinaire Kat Marshall, who we're also lucky to uh, be friends with and have seen uh, your journey on some of the great things you've been working on. But we wanted to kick things off, if you could tell us, Kat, just a bit about the role of what a producer does on a film. Yeah. Um, oh, So I always find it quite hard to explain what a producer does because I feel like it, it, it com- it's comprised of so many different things. Um, there, I would say the producer is the like problem solver on the film. They're the person that works with the writer and director and then helps them to, um, cr- to, to basically create it and, and bring it to life. Um, so they might be, res- they're, they're often responsible for the fi- finding the finance for a film, for uh, finding the crew, working alongside the kind of like writer, director, uh, the director to, to find the crew, um, casting, um, developing the the kind of the script and the story. Um, and there are lots of different types of producers as well, which makes it a bit complicated. So you'll often hear people talking about executive producers or associate producers or lead producers or just producers. And like, it really, really does, I think, in my opinion, depend on the project. And often you have to kind of speak to the people that were working on the project to find out what that producer was doing. Because you might have an executive producer who uh, was really involved with like the development and the kind of script stages of the film, but maybe not so hands-on with the like production side of it. You have creative producers who are like really invested in like the story and involved in like like the like creating the world and 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 involved in the creative side of it from like development through to production and seeing it right through to post production and then you have producers who maybe are more business minded and are getting the finance and and kind of develop the relationships that you need to get that film or that TV show off the ground um so they <laughs> it's just quite a, a varied role and and quite a difficult question i think but um yeah your produce the producer is the person that everybody so your heads of department your writer your director go to and s- with problems and they'll be responsible for the budget they'll be responsible for um you know if you've got finances on financiers on board they will be responsible for um you know, reporting back to the financiers and saying, okay, we're on track with this, or, you know, we've decided we want to go creatively this way. And there'll, there'll be, there'll be lots of discussions around that. Um, yeah, I, I was recently associate producer on Everybody's Talking About Jamie, and we had um, Mark Herbert and Peter Carlton are the producers on, on Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Um, and as associate producer, I was working closely with Mark in particular, um, and Barry, who was a co-producer, that's another co-producer, <laughs> another producer term. Um, and we kind of were working as like a three, like as a producer team with Mark. Mark obviously is the lead producer. Um, so my role, like I was very heavily involved in the casting. I was very kind of working on the script with Jonathan, the director, and and kind of doing kind of just day-to-day kind of like problem solving throughout the shoot and and in the run-up to the film and in the prep and in post even now so um working really closely with the cast as well um I've just gone off on one there haven't I now I (laughs) think if we were if you were to be if you were a flippant person you would have just said everything because it sounds like (laughs) it is it's just doing everything and you've just got your finger in every pie and it's uh it's such an important overseeing role that's sort of the engine of the film really yeah I think um there's I think yeah it's important there's, there's lots of different kinds of producers um which I think is is why it's hard to put your finger on what it is but yeah the person that's kind of pulling everything together and is the linchpin and everything I guess and 
some ways. Yeah, yeah definitely. And and keep it. It's it's having an incredible, wide ranging amount of skills and helping to turn something into a, a reality. Kind of getting it off the page and getting it into a location and 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 a cast and everything that's so cool that was a very comprehensive um, look actually in in a very good way i think that explained it really well was there anything in particular that drew you to that to that role and and that being part of a film in that way so my background i've i've worked for warp films for eight years now and started out as kind of I started out as an intern and then worked, went into production assistant and then coordinator and then production supervisor. And very early on, even when I was interning at Warp Films, I think I was like, oh, like, I like the problem solving. I like mm. the kind of pulling everything together and having to kind of like very quickly think on my feet and kind of like be like, okay, well, we've got to solve this problem. How are we going to do it? And I loved the... I loved being involved creatively as well, but like watching somebody like Mark work was very much like, I was very much like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Because originally when I left university, I thought I wanted to be a director. (laughs) And um, I guess I didn't really have like a good idea or I'd never really experienced working with kind of producers or or in production in a professional manner. So it was kind of... um, it, it, yeah, it was it was from working with Mark and Warp that I kind of suddenly realised that actually maybe my skill sets were more suited to that kind of problem problem solving, kind of making things happen. I mean, I'm often the person in my friendship group or in just general life that's just like, let's pull this together or let's do that or um, there's a problem. OK, let's solve it. So I've always been that kind of person. Um, so I think my skill set lends itself to producing uh very well i would say <laughs> mm. That's so cool. i think i think a lot of people um i think especially if you studied something really creative you can be drawn to those much more creative roles and also there's not as much uh just general knowledge out there of the the roles that are more about just getting things done and being a facilitator um but they're just like those are those are the roles that make everything happen the person that is facilitating the creative roles um it'd just be wonderful if there was just a bit more knowledge of those sorts of things that people can do and and different roles that people can get into yeah I definitely think that so I went to university god 10 years ago now over 10 years ago now and I think that back then maybe there was less information about like those behind the scenes roles and like yeah what I think you're completely right that when I was at university, like the the kind of starry roles are like the director, the writer, like the actors, like we only hear really about those. Well, when I was first going to uni, that those were the roles that everyone was talking about. Um, and yeah, it was only when I worked in production and I started to become aware of like just how many roles and jobs and kind of things you can do in film um, and television that I was like oh wow this is I could go in so many different directions here and I think that's what I often say to people when they want to kind of get into film or they're looking for their their kind of first step into film is I'm like just get get some like work in a production office because you'll see the inner workings of everything and I don't know you get to see what every department does in some way and even if you do want to be a director or writer you need to know how the, the the kind of whole production works otherwise. So it's really, really useful to get that inside knowledge on like production design, costume, music and how it all comes together, I guess, to make a film or television programme. Gone off on a tangent there. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, perfectly put. I think it's like another, it shows another side to like, if you can see it, you can be it kind of thing. And because unless you see what it's like, you don't really know. And um, I, I think it, can lend itself some really great experience like you say um because it's not it's not the flashy role that you might have been informed about in terms of film was was there any particular um favorite memory working on um everybody's talking about jamie as in your role in particular that you're like oh i'm really glad we solved that or i'm really glad i saw that happen the casting was just amazing for me to be involved in um so obviously uh, 
for people that don't know, everybody's talking about Jamie, is set in Sheffield. Um, our director, Jonathan, is from Sheffield. Uh, Warp Films is based in Sheffield. So it, was, it very much had Sheffield at its heart. Um, and it was really important to all of us, I think, that we cast kind of... We gave local people and local young people the opportunity to be in the film. Um, and so we did this big open casting call with Shaheen Beg and it was just so like wonderful to get so many app- I mean very overwhelming we got like so many applications <laughs> but we did a lot of um outreach so Megan who was our northern kind of casting coordinator she went into schools she went into community groups um she was doing like street casting. She was just going and chatting to everybody in loads of different communities. And um, that was, I got to meet so many incredible young people. And that was just such a joy. Um, and also incredibly difficult because you want everybody to be in the film. But um, that whole casting process, I mean, it was unusually long for a casting process, I think, in terms of we started casting, we put the... Uh, the call out in March and then we hadn't cast it until we were still casting right up until a year later um I mean we went into I think that was March 2018 and we shot in uh we shot in June 2019 so yeah it was we and we were still casting sort of right up into a couple of last parts right up until prep um so the month before we started shooting so I spent a lot of time yeah in like rooms getting to meet incredible young people and it was really fun we got because we cast our year 11 cast um um so Jamie has a a class of year 11s um so about I mean in real life it would probably well depending on the school size it would probably be like 30 people in Jamie's class it's about 20 of them um and uh we almost did like boot camp style um fame academy vibes um <laughs> kind of auditions and like really put all these young people through their paces and everybody was so up for it and I hope everybody enjoyed it but um we did like you know dance dance sessions so we'd have people come for whole days and we'd do like dance and we'd do acting um and we'd do singing and those were just really wonderful days to be part of because just really fun <laughs> more than anything um that's so great. We, we're obsessed with casting and casting processes. So it's really Very... cool to hear that from your point of view. And yeah, what quite unusual, I guess, to I get for a film to be casting that long and, and casting in so many different ways. But I bet that's going to really sing on screen mm-hmm. that you've got the, that, that heart to it. That's great. Yeah, and, and just the last... Oh, sorry, Jack, were you going to say something there? I was just going to say, I suppose with, with Jamie, though, one of the uh, challenges is that the original casts are so beloved. People have just come to love their Jamie. So, you know, you love you love John McRae, you love Leighton Williams. And so that must have been a huge amount of pressure to be like, well, we've got to get these people right. I mean, even down to um, Miss Hedge, you know, who's your Miss Hedge? That must have been really difficult to get it right because this is, you know, for all time. It's not just for a six-week run in the West End. It's It's lasting. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's something we were really aware of when we were casting it. But obviously, Jonathan, the director, is the director of the original stage show. So, I mean, he knows that he knows the story. He knows the cast. He knows kind of the fans, I guess, as well, uh, to a certain degree um, so well. And I think we just trusted that we trusted him and hopefully people think we've made the right decision. And I think that's what's so beautiful about Jamie as well is that you, there are so many different versions of Jamie and Jamie isn't this one person, like isn't this, he's he's not this one person. He's like become all these different versions of this, yeah, person. You know, Leighton, Leighton's Jamie is very different to um, John John's Jamie and I and I'm sure Max who's playing Jamie in the film his Jamie will be very different to their 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 Jamies or the past previous Jamies it's really beautiful in a way that they got to develop that role and create something themselves that like make it their own I guess is yeah make it their own totally yeah that's cool and I think it's that's another great 
testament to how many people can relate to this story in their own ways. And that's really cool that that's kind of happening with the casting process as well. Um, and just just lastly, on, on the specific produ- producer point of view, are there any producers or production companies or anything like that that particularly inspire you, that that excite you about, about what you do? Oh, that's a really hard... <laughs> question because there's so many producers that inspire me um I've I've actually just been doing the women in film and tv mentoring scheme this year and my mentor was Lauren Dunn who's a producer based in Manchester and um they're just brilliant and yeah she's great and I've really appreciated having her support this year especially during a pandemic and I feel like I've learned lots from her but she's making really cool project like really cool um things and just is like really making change in the industry and that really inspires me um yeah that's amazing how that role can can expand to that and and making those changes that's brilliant thank you i'm gonna let jack dive into all things jamie now (laughs) (laughs) oh it's it's too exciting i could talk about jamie for the longest time i really could um but I guess my first question is around how um, Warp managed to pick up Jamie to turn it into a film because obviously it's Sheffield's story, it's set in Sheffield, Sheffield director, started at the Crucible, but I imagine there were a lot of um, companies sniffing around wanting to get the, the chance to turn this into a musical because there's a lot of really great musical films. We're sort of in a new age of musical films at the moment. So yeah, could you tell us a bit more about how you managed to be the people that got it? Um, so I guess, yeah, there was like a lot of interest, I think, from, if, I mean, we were, I, I'm not aware of kind of like exactly who was interested in stuff, <laughs> but when we approached uh, Jonathan, Dan and Tom, so Jonathan's the director, Dan's the composer and Tom's the writer of the original stage show, um, I, yeah, we were aware that lots of people, because I mean, it's such an incredible show and there was so much, it had just been transferred to the West End and I think it got transferred to the West End um, the same week or they, they were approached by Nika um, about about it being in the, the West End the same week that we approached them about making a film. So, I mean, we are from, we're all from Sheffield. So uh, Warp Films is a Sheffield-based company. And I think that, I think that was, we just all really got on. I think Jonathan and Mark and the rest of the Warp team just got on really well and it felt right. I think, I can't speak on Jonathan's behalf, obviously, <laughs> but I think I think it felt right for a Sheffield company to be making a Sheffield story. Um, and we, we saw it in the first week. I think I went and I went and saw it and some of the other team went and saw it in the first week it had its run at, at the crucible and we moved pretty quick because we were pretty blown away by it so um yeah I think we had a meeting with Jonathan and Dan and Tom like the next week or something so we moved quick but obviously they didn't have to go with us so I think they had a lot of interest but I think definitely the like Sheffield connection potentially swung it for them I don't know (laughs) I think it's um a lot of warp films are usually very serious um, and sometimes really dark. And this is obviously a much more upbeat film. It's a bit more family friendly. I think it's going to be a blockbuster. I mean, how did that feel taking on something that was tonally just quite different to the back catalogue? I think that we, I, I would say that if Jamie was ever going to make a, I mean, if warp was ever going to make a musical, it would be Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's Warp is about making like bold content um, about, you know, authentic content, like about telling stories. Um, I guess Warp in some ways potentially has always been a bit of an outsider. And in some ways, um, although Jamie is loved and accepted by his community in the film, there are moments where he feels like an outsider. And I think we yeah I think if we ever were going to make a musical it would have it would be Jamie because it 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 just felt right um but yeah I think it I don't don't know it it definitely is a it's very different to something like you know 
I don't know kill list or <laughs> seventy one, but I guess all of our all of our proje- all of Warp's projects have heart and authenticity, and definitely like Jonathan and Tom and Dan had a very clear vision for what they wanted, and I think Warp are very like artist, um, creative focused, like they let the creative team or the director lead, and they really champion new talent, and I don't know, um, I think. In that way, it made perfect sense for us to make Jamie with with everybody, with yeah. Jonathan, Dan and Tom. Um, it seems like it was just so important from the offset to involve Sheffield in the film and obviously, you know, film it here, but you involved so many Sheffielders. There was so many opportunities for people to be a part of this film. It was always really important to Jonathan that Sheffield felt part of, and to Warp, that Sheffield felt part of the process um and I think as well like you know because we were also filming all around Sheffield and just like the support of people when we were filming just like you know you'd have like residents or from where you were filming just coming down with a cup of tea and like oh what's going on here then and you know like just felt it did very much feel like um Sheffield really embraced Jamie and the, the story and what we were trying to tell and I hope that they're proud of, of what we've created because um, Sheffield is very much a character in the film in some ways. It's, you know, it's, I think, yeah, it's a bit of a love letter to Sheffield in, in many ways as well. So that's, that's lovely because we have, we have so few films that are set here really. And when you do watch those films, so, I mean, obviously the, there's things like the full Monty and there's threads. Um, they're all quite gritty and you can spot certain bits of Sheffield in them. But I think spotting spotting certain bits of Sheffield in this film is just going to be so exciting. Spotting certain locations that are really quite magical and special places and seeing them come alive on the big screen is going to be, it's going to be lovely for people and I think they're going to love it. Um, and I think... I think that kind of links into my next question, which is about your release plans, because obviously the films had to be delayed. I think it was originally going to be released in August. Um, and lots of other films at the moment are replacing their big screen releases with streaming. And you guys are holding off for, for a big screen proper, proper release, aren't you? Well, so we're being distributed by Disney. So they kind of decide when the film is being released um, and the release plans. At the minute, the, the, fil- the film was originally supposed to come out in October um, this year, but obviously due to coronavirus and lockdown and cinemas kind of not being open, um, it got pushed. Um, so it's now set for release in February next year. Mm-hmm. I mean... I feel like it's difficult to say what's going to happen next week at the moment, let alone next yeah. year. So we're all holding out for a big cinema release. And I think it's a, I hope that it'll be just what people want and need right now. Like, you know, if lockdown ends and we can go back to cinemas, I can't think, I think I would want to go and see a big joyous musical. But um, so hopefully it's what people will want to see but yeah we're holding out for a big cinema release but we don't who knows what will happen at the moment <laughs> yeah um, I mean fingers crossed because I think you're right I think a big a big musical that everybody can sing along to is the thing that we're really going to be craving in the next couple of months and you know personally I just want to see that red carpet I want to see the, the original Jamie Campbell on the carpet with his mom <laughs> you know I just want to see all that and I think we're all ready for a real fancy occasion so fingers fingers properly crossed for that yeah we're all waiting we're all desperate to see what Jamie Campbell and Margaret are going to wear on that red carpet I'm sure it's going to be something very fabulous <laughs> <laughs> for sure definitely well I think that's all of my questions Abby did you have anything else um, we'd like to ask all our guests, because the podcast is a celebration of going to the cinema, just if you've had any particular favourite cinema memories from childhood to now, which I know is a big, big question, <laughs> but anything that springs to mind, feel free to take a moment to think about it. Ooh, big cinema memories. Oh, God, there's so many. 
I feel like me and uh, my friend Ellie Ragdale, who actually works with you guys. <laughs> um, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> um, I feel like we have lots of cinema memories of just being like really overwhelmed or like, you know, blown away by films and like just sitting right until the very end of the credits. And then you've got the person coming around sweeping up all the popcorn and me and Ellie are just still there like sobbing or just like <laughs> celebrating with joy because we've enjoyed the film so much. And the whole cinema's just emptied out and we like suddenly come out of, you know, come out of film watching mode or and we're like, oh, everybody's gone. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, um, that, that I've got many memories like that of just, yeah, being the last one in the cinema right until the credits have finished and the lights go up and you look around and nobody's there. But I think that's the that's the sign of a good film, isn't it? If you've just completely been so immersed in it that you're just processing and soaking it all in right until the last minute. Definitely, definitely. I know exactly what, what you're saying. What an amazing Sometimes if you go and see something on your own, it's been quite emotional. I try and jump out before the credits end so no one can see me and I can just kind of go and absorb that further. But yeah, when you're with a good friend and you've both felt something and you haven't even had a chance to chat about it yet, but you know you're both feeling that thing, there is something super special about what you're describing there, definitely. Yeah. Great. Well, it's been the best to talk about it and hear from your point of view and your perspective. It's really, um, I think it's going to be really enjoyable for people to listen to. Um, We'll be putting this out in January as a nice New Year treat and hopefully that Mm. we'll be ever closer to getting to see (laughs) the film on the big screen, which I'm super excited about. So, yeah, thank you so much and can't wait to see what you work on next. Thanks so much for listening today. Feel free to go back and check out some of our previous episodes. They're chock full of cinema goodness. Um, This is actually the last episode of season three. Um, So we're going to take a little bit of a break before we wade into season four. We'll probably be back around June. So go and check out what we've got in the archive before then. If you're interested in ways to support Cinema for All as a charity, you can visit cinemaforall.org.uk forward slash donate. And we'll also leave you some links in our show notes of other ways that you can help us create Cinema for All. Now it's time to roll credits. Producer Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Sandish with thanks to Cat Marshall, Walk Films and Deborah Parker. The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery. Thank, Thank you! you.